Hello there and welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit. It's time for another guest. Wowee, very exciting. And this week we actually have someone who took Tom through his Army Reserve basic training when he was a recruit. So make sure you stick around until the end because we do go into this and we do unpack all of the chaos that Tom caused when he was going through training. So who are we joined by? We are joined by Mikey Page or Michael Page, uh, an exercise rehabilitation instructor in the Royal Army Physical Training Corps. The bulk of this episode is spent exploring the world of rehab as Mikey talks us through the process of training to become an ERI in the army and the sorts of things he has to navigate getting soldiers back to fighting fit. And while we unpack all of this information, we do stumble across some really crucial pieces of rehab information that could help you on your rehab journey, whether that's now or in the future. So peel those ears back and let's get into this week's episode. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, gents. How are we doing? God, that's a weird good evening, Tom. What was that? Yeah, sorry. I, I took a. I took, someone made a comment uh, last time that um, I shouldn't be vaping on the podcast, so I took a quick puff before I started. And, <laughs> someone's uh, it went, up, it went Tom, too far. You serious? Down the someone's, actually, someone's actually got in touch. So kick it off, about you vaping. Yeah, uh, I, I say someone is it my missus. She's like she could see the smoke coming through the next door. So like, oh, okay. uh, wow. it turns out I, I have to be a, a subtle vapist now. A subtle vapist. <laughs> Oh, yeah. hello. Oh, that's another voice that's we have. the third voice, have we? Oh, hello. That's naughty, isn't it? Well, welcome to the show, Mikey. The third voice in the studio. Well, cheers. Cheers, lads. Well, today we are talking, we're talking about injuries today. It's going to be a, an interesting one. Um, who better to get on than someone who is uh, an expert, as we'll call him, uh, in the field? Um, and Mikey, what we'll, we'll, we'll do, mate, is we'll dive into your background a little bit, because so people will just start listening to you for the next hour thinking, who is this absolute weapon chatting shit about injuries? Um, you are a exercise rehabilitation instructor in the Royal Army Physical Training Corps, which is a fucking mouthful, isn't it? That is a mouthful, yeah. Well, I've been in the military for about 15, 16 years now. Uh been in the PT Corps, it'd be coming up three, three years, badged in 2020. And obviously I went down the route of exercise rehabilitation. Uh, so that's like another six month course added on top of um, your transfer. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, you start off as an all arms PTI, go on your nine, 10 week course, however long that is now, you'll pass that and then you'll go to a unit and you'll deliver PT. Uh, Tom was lucky enough to be one of my recruits through training uh, as now is his PTI <laughs> yes. and you get to give them the education or you realize that Tom can't pronounce THs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, from there that you'll, is true. you'll spend a few years delivering PT either be it a unit phase one establishments or recruit training uh, trade training etc then you'll express an interest to go to the core uh, from there you'll do a little bit of development you'll go on a week long selection uh, pass that and they'll go congratulations you can start start a transfer course and you go on a nine month transfer course of brushing up on your all arm skills and learn a bit more managerial stuff and then you'll badge in. And then if you're like me and you want to go ERI, cause there's three streams, uh, you'll then get loaded onto another six month course up at uh, Stanford hall. So you'll have uh, basically you get taught by there's a head physio and then you'll have a tutor from uh, the, uh, there'll be an army lead who does all like the uh, exercise based therapy. Um, you'll have then, uh, REF lead who does all like your like 
kinesiology based stuff so like movement and you know all that type of stuff joint movement and then you'll have uh, an OC who'll deliver like applied physiology so the subjects you cover applied physiology so you learn about things like sodium pumps in cells that's the only thing I can remember from it um, you then you'll cover um, kinesiology um, you'll cover then exercise therapy hydrotherapy but you'll split it down into modules so you'll do lower limb so you'll cover lower limb injuries and then how to rehabilitate them and you go through a little bit of um formal testing but in a controlled environment under the tutors before they sort of send you off to like for a three-week clinical placement at a unit where you get some real world experience and then you'll come back do a couple of exams a presentation under the university and then rinse repeat for spines and upper quadrant and then you'll finish pass all that and then that's you in and now is the second course to get the qualification from uh, Birmingham City University now so it allows you to sort of uh, go on to further education. If you want to think of it, it's a bit like an access course, really. You can apply for courses. I've just tried to apply um, for my physio degree and they said your GCSEs aren't good enough. So <laughs> I've got to go looking elsewhere. <laughs> <You're> serious? <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. So I, I sent the stuff in and I was like, will this get me on the course? Uh, so I sent my sent the certificate with a transcript on the back saying I've done spines, lowers, uh, working in, in rehab at the minute. And they went, yeah, yeah, you can apply for the course, but um, yeah, you need grade Bs on your GCSEs. You've only got grade Cs. And I was like, I've just shown, I've got like a level six, which is showing that you can do university level study. And they're like, nah, well, if we're desperate, we'll let you in. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's mental, isn't it? But yeah. So even after, even after all that, at least you're, you're qualified to basically use a wet blue paper towel. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Injuries at least, minimum. Yeah, minimum, minimum, at yeah. least. Fucking it's, hell. It's, it's, it is. It it's been. It has been. It has been revamped. It's a little bit better. It falls in line with university stuff, and it gives you like sort of a qualification that you can sort of, as we all know, as long as you're insured, you can work within any scope of practice as long as you've got the qualification and a bit of paper to prove it. So that allows me to do that. I mean, you did say like uh, with the practical day. Obviously, you said I was in like a controlled environment, etc. Is that basically like? Um, so you know, like a. I'll, I'll give an example. We've we kind of mentioned before, like uh, there's some military units out there where they'll get you to look after a chicken you get to groom it not sexually bill don't get excited oh, you know you go. get to name it you get to bond with it and then you've got to kill it so in regards to this did you get to like pick a subject you got to bond with them then you got to purposely injure them <laughs> and then you was like it's okay though a part of the practice because i get to look what are you talking you. about i get to blue paper towel you now yeah you sort of like you, you pick a you you pick a recruit, go in, then go name it, and then you smash them in the knee with a baseball bat, and then you rehab an ACL. No, um, so the controlled environment thing is you get given like a scenario, and uh, you've got a, you know, all world class actor. The gracious now being uh, being um, ex military or current serving military, all great at acting, you know, lying on the floor and screaming pain. Ah, ah, it really hurts. So you get a little scenario you've got to read off, and then when you're interviewing your mate to like do all the questioning. They're like, so does um does it hurt? It does it wait does it hurt? which knee it hurts? Then you'll see him go at the paper go. Oh, it's my, it's my left. Yes, yeah, my left knee. My left knee. <laughs> you sure about that? Like, say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're clearly supposed to be, you know, absolutely mutilated by shrapnel. But uh, you know, you've got to sit down and say, ah, oh, well, you got you seem confused there. This is where the, the the psychosocial model comes into play here. <laughs> Are you sure you're just not imagining your pain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can refer you through. Um, yeah, so you go through that, and then you'll go on. Um, you'll go on placement where you get to like get a little bit of hands-on experience working with um, 
obviously qualified physios and other ERIs who will mentor you. And then you'll deliver a few things and they'll sign off like a booklet and like a little mentor guide and they'll sign that off and that'll go back as a reflective practice on what you've been like. And it's like gathering evidence, but like a portfolio you would do for any course and you do that for each subject. And then uh, when you finish, you'll qualify. And then when you go to your unit, you have to do a postgraduate mentorship program where you've got to pretty much redo it all again while you're at the unit and gets all signed off to say, yeah, you're competent, happy days, and you keep a hold of that. So you do it like, you get like quite like rigorous testing. So the actual training itself, so you know our podcast, we're very um, evidence-based, you could say. Um, Would you say that the current stuff they're teaching you, would you say it's all based on some sort of evidence or is it kind of, because I know the army can be very legacy almost in some of their their ways. So I don't know if it's different for the ERI teachings. It's yeah, it's very evident because it falls under university now, so it's got it's got to marry up with what they what what we've got to like what they want out of it. So they took actually when they accredited it through the uni, they took some bits out and said actually no, you don't need this, don't need that, etc. Uh, so now when you had to do um, do your presentation, so I did uh, for my spines module, I did um, something called the combat burst fracture. So it's about uh, the mechanism of injuries, basically guys getting blown up in vehicles, flung out the vehicles and they're suffering a uh, basically a burst fracture of the spine because of the explosion. Um, so I had to do loads of digging on that uh, and find out like what what re- what rehab went into people that did have it because there were obviously the, there's a, you got the British uh, Medical Journal, aren't you? There's a military version of that. So I had to dig through that and find all like the articles they put in there on what they'd done with experience in that because they were finding like um, a trend with uh, frontline soldiers in Afghanistan getting hit by IEDs, getting flung out of vehicles, suffering suffering these fractures. So they coined it the combat burst fracture. Hmm. So I had to uh, dig into that, find all the evidence for that, and then come up with a rehab plan, but then give evidence base to why I'm going to do these particular exercises. So it... For example, like one of my poster presentation I did had about like 15 to 20 references of papers I've used to back up what I've said on there. So anything I say, if I've quoted something or if I've directly extracted it or I'm using it to influence a practice, they'll say, well, why are you doing that? And I'll be like, well, this paper turned around and had great success with it. I took the... Mm this framework from this type of injury to use as an idea to give a progressive framework to rehab this so they can see where you gather in your evidence from so it, it, it on that front it is and uh, when That's it really comes cool, to yeah. the things like exercise therapy it's very UK, very UKSCA based um because that's obviously who we're, we use so they put a lot of articles out I did have a quite a creative discussion with one of the tutors on unilateral loading of barbells <laughs> when you say creative <laughs> discussion blankly screen to your face and went why don't you just use a dumbbell and he was like <laughs> he was like saying yeah we're trying to try trying to bridge the gap between this, this and this i'm like but you can just use a dumbbell to you do off offset mm. training unilateral training and uh but yeah i didn't he, like he, we got into a bit of discussion about it and i fired some papers at him and then uh, like some quotes and he was like all right, we'll tell you right into it. So, yeah, I got told my white my neck in a little yeah. bit, but 
Yeah. Other than that, though, that, <laughs> yeah. he he sort of welcomed it. He was like, it was good to have that kind of discussion to find out what was going on because you're always going to create discussions in the evidence-based world, aren't you? What would you say was the uh, biggest thing you took away from all the training or maybe from someone you worked with or just from some of the stuff you were learning? Uh, progressive, patient-led and progressive overload. Um, so I'm very, for an ERI, I'm very um, patient-centered in the sense of I let the patient dictate the program in a, in a sense. So my philosophy is you come to me with an injury, I find out what your worries are, what's going on, what's happened, how it happened, basically a huge subject, subjective piece. And then I'll turn around and go, okay, um, what do you want out of it? And then I'll come up with a plan of exercises and I go, are you happy with the exercises? Are you happy to do this? And they'll be like, yeah, and I'll be like, if they go, no, I go, why aren't you happy? And they'll tell me. And then I'm sort of like a, a bullshit filter, if you will. I'll try and use evidence base that I've read into and go, well, that is not true. That's a bit of a myth. If we do this, this, and this, it'll be really safe. But if we go at your your pace, we can progressively overload. Um, and the biggest thing that's helped me with that is the visual analog scale uh, with... Um, how they monitor yeah. their symptoms. Yeah, I saw you do a post, but you did a post, didn't you, about that, I think. Was it on? Yeah, so I, I use, I've been using that quite a bit and I've sort of developed like a, I would say developed, I've sort of used a common sense approach on how I gauge it. So like uh, when I explain it to them, I sort of like say a 10 is someone's three in Atlantic, cut you a thousand times, three in the Atlantic Ocean, pulled you back out, set you on fire and broke all your bones at the same time. Uh, and a zero <laughs> is in the most blissful place in the world. Where do you sit on that scale? And they're like, Oh, I'm probably probably like a like a two or a three. I'm like great. You can train. So like, uh, as you probably saw my post, one to three is green, four to five is amber, six and above is red. So uh, like, I give that sort of like red amber green scale of how they should gauge their rehab training accordingly. And I've had quite a good success with it. I think uh, using that kind of scale, where I think a lot of people kind of go wrong is that they they fear going into that amber. It's almost like they've got to constantly say green. But so no, no, you can like dip your toe into amber. You know, it's nothing's going to be pain free. Realistically, it's just kind of like building that tolerance to what we're capable of. Obviously, I'm not saying no pain, no gain, but it is okay to dip your toe into amber. Yeah, so spend a bit of time there. So I sort of go green is like you can train, you're happy, you complete the workout, then you can train the next day, do doing your or your prescribed sessions. Yeah. And then I'll go amber. If you touch into amber on an exercise, so let's say you're doing, uh, you got a knee injury, you're doing knee extensions. You're like, oh, I'm on a three and you've done your first set of 15, you rest and go again at that load and you, you get like 10 reps in and it goes to a four in the amber. I go, right, what that means is then you finish that set of 15 and cease that exercise and move on to the next one. So you've 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 exhausted the tissues on that particular exercise and then you might be able to go to the goblet squats and you're back to a three. But if I said then, if, but if you're doing knee extensions yeah. and you hit a six on the first set, it's like, right cease all activity on that joint for for that day you've aggravated it enough and then yeah see how you recover over the next 24 hours and then go back again too much too soon yeah so that's that's how i use that i, I use that quite a lot i probably say i'm quite reliant on it at the minute in the sense of getting that feedback from the patient but it's working quite well so far let's see how we get on
Okay, guys, we dive into more about like injuries specifically. Marky, what would you say the biggest things you deal with like in a clinical setting? I mean, I would assume knees and back, but you might correct me if I'm wrong. And then kind of what is that recovery process for those things that you say are the biggest things you deal with? I'm going to go with ankles. Ankle, yeah, oh, yeah, for personal experience. Um, so where <laughs> I am at the minute, it's, I'm, uh, I'm, at a Navy, I'm at a Navy station in Yeovil um, and it's all like rotary, rotary wing aircraft. So there's a lot the of- The anus. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Marines here. So at the minute, um, I get a, I've had a, quite a few ACL injuries from skiing. ACL, so knees, back pain's a really big one. And yeah, and then I'll probably say knees, back pain, then ankles, hardly any upper quadrant, i.e. shoulders. Um, so mm, the, That's interesting, yeah. yeah. In injury wise, like it depends how catastrophic the injury is, will dictate how long that recovery timeline is um, on mm-hmm. on on that patient. And I never like to put like a a timeline on it unless they've got something to hit. As in, there's a time constraint. As in, their career is a threat because they've been on the sick for so long, or mm. they're they're needed to get back to a certain operational capability. You know, but nine times out of ten, the recovery takes as long as it takes to get them back to where they need to be. What, what would you say is like the first steps in into it? Uh first steps are as in recovery. Yeah. So what would you do? If, let's say ACL, the example you gave there. So the first steps would be they would obviously come, come into us. They would go through the doc. Uh, the doc would then go, yeah, we'll refer you through to physio. Physio then would assess them. Um, and then it it depends what kind of relationship the physio ERI has. I know some people. Um, some ERIs don't want uh, so acute ACL patients, as in really, really soon until probably is they're coming to post surgery or there's you know like later like later stage. For me, I've had if ACL patients that are three days post rupture to look after. So um, on the initial initial scale, it's sort of like you you you're sort of like looking at what structures are damaged to be able to give them a good exercise program to really pre-surgery you're looking at threats of muscular atrophy um you know and obviously use of the limb so you want to keep muscle bulk muscle symmetry um you want to keep as much strength in there as possible because that's going to allow you to uh, bounce back a little bit better from uh, post-surgery then once they get their surgery date then they they'll go have their surgery then they have six weeks off they won't be doing anything so they're letting wounds heal etc and then after that, that's when the recovery starts, that 12-month recovery pathway to get them back to a start state that they can start doing physical training again. So it's a long old, it's a long old fucking road if you think about it. If you're like a a, a, a top level, you're you're at the top level of like both CrossFit or whatever sport you're in, you know, and you rush your ACL, you've got a 12-month recovery period to get you back to a start state that you can start building back up to that um to that state you're at where you got injured so you you could be looking at two years to get you back so yeah so then after that you follow like a a guy i follow like we've got best practice guidelines we use in the military of like outcome measures we've got to hit things we've got to measure as we go forward and there's like supplementary goals on top of that then you then you progress through so like stage one's um post-surgery recovery stage two is building back strength and like function stage three is plyometrics agility and speed and stage four is um sort of like like military specific you know type stuff and then stage five is a uh, prevention of re-injury in that in that sense and then how you go through that is is again down to your adherence to your, your programs do you find people adhere quite well because 
from from my experience, what I saw in my, my time is people tend to be a bit lax sometimes when it comes to following the uh, the physio programs. I mean, what, what's been your experience with that? It's like 50-50, but you are right that you can tell if someone's not been following the program because the easiest one I do is like when I give an IP out, an IP is an individual program, basically anything that you would write in the gym. I give them like five exercises. They should be able to know those five exercises and not have the bit of paper or rehab guru as we use. And they should be. And then when they come in and I uh, have a review with them, I'm like, so how are you getting on with your exercises? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm getting on great. So what load are you doing for um, for your um, single single leg press uh, isometric hold? They're like, oh, what's that one again? And then you go, <laughs> all right, okay. Oh, I think I'm doing about yeah. like... Like 15, 20, 20 kilos-ish. All right. And what are you doing for the, ne- the next one? Oh, about the same. Yeah, the same. You just know. Then the people that are adhering to it, you go, yeah. what are you doing for your single leg press? Oh, I did uh, three sets of 15 at like 25 kg. Uh, I don't. I felt like it was really easy. So what I did was I just up, I up the weight a lot more. I'll reduce my rest. You're like, right, you know you're on it. So that, yeah, that's how you get people. But it's 50-50. It's a bit sad because... Uh... It's something I keep hearing amongst like the physiotherapy world where physiotherapists that try to prescribe exercise to actually give that control to the client or the patient. It it doesn't seem to a lot of people don't seem to adhere to it, which is then why kind of physiotherapists get hooked on more kind of passive things, things where they've got the control through things like massage and cupping, etc. So it is it is kind of sad to see that. It would be good if people kind of understood the effect, just simply having that self efficacy to have the power to just simply almost steer their own rehab yeah for their own program and you know training and exercise you know but it's it is something that i've 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 seen is like quite a problem in the physiotherapy world is patients and clients just not adhering to their homework basically Mm. things for them to do in their own time Do do you think that's why passive does so passive is such a big thing maybe because it's just easy isn't it like it's just people just sort of do something to them you do get you do get people like that that just sort of turn up and just want a bit of passive therapy off off the physio. Um, and one of the physio I'm really good mates with, he's like, "Nah, I'm not doing it." <laughs> like, no way. He's, there's, there's like, he does it for some people that will come in and they're in they're in absolute shit state. Like, you know, for a back, for example, they're coming in, they like can't get comfortable, they're barely able to like move, they're like really guarded and sort of like, oh, like in so much pain, they're tired because they're not sleeping. So you're like, right, okay. And you'll go, right, I'll do a bit of manual therapy or a bit of acupuncture. And they'll get that like sort of like they, that's yeah. the social side of it. They'll get that relief and they'll be like, oh, I feel so much better. And they'll sleep well that night. And then the pain the pain score will come down and they'll be like, oh, I can do a bit of fizz now. You know, for some people it works. It, yeah. You know, I never I never knock it as an adjunct to sort of the psychological side of life. Do you know what? Um, that's actually something I've never really had an issue with. If people use it as a a bridge to get people moving, there's always there's no like um, definitive harmful or mis- misinformation going with it. Uh, sorry, harmful messaging going with it. I have no issue if that's what the starting process is to then lead to getting people moving. I think that's a, a common misconception a lot of people have had with my my views on things. They just assume that I'm completely anti manual therapy, etc. Or oh, even acupuncture. Don't get me wrong, I'm not keen on acupuncture. But if someone was just brutally honest and said, look, I'm just giving this because it's going to make you just possibly feel nice. It might get you moving the next day. I'm completely fine with that. So kind of like what you said there, Mikey, I'm, I, I think it's uh, totally legitimate as a means to uh, get people moving in the end. Just kind of give someone a small relief of comfort, some form of relief, 
so that they can feel like they can get out of bed in the morning and get moving, which is the thing we want to get people doing. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally, totally, like, I, that, I totally agree with it. It is like it's a holistic package to bring bring to the table of like they all sort of help yeah. each other help each other out. It, it's definitely, and it all should lead that funnel down to that point of we want to get you moving where it's going to improve your quality of life again. That That's like my main aim is like, I've had people who are coming to discharge and they're under rehab. I'm like, oh, what are you here for? I was like, I've picked up a few niggles in my career. I just want to make sure they're all right and how to manage them. So when I leave, I can have a good quality of life. And then I end up giving them lo- like lo- loads of input and they're like, oh yeah, I know how to manage this now. And a lot of them never come back because I go, this the pr- that educational principle that I have when they come through my door, the first thing I say is, I want to give you an education on how to manage this, how to manage your training, how to write your own training program that you don't need me so that you'll never come back to come back through my door. If I put myself out of a job, as in the go, cheers, Mikey, we don't need ERIs ever again in the military because you've educated everyone, which will never happen. I'll be like, sound, I've done it. I've done a, you know, I've done a, I've left something behind and like, because I do it on Civvy Street as well. Same thing. I never want to see that same person come back to me with it with an injury hmm. but well with the same injury if they come back with another one like i mean okay fair enough but not with the same one you're not a mechanic you're just guiding the path like it sounds like you take more of an active recovery obviously um system in place obviously that's whether from your training or from your own personal stuff as well could you just quickly explain to people what you, what we actually mean when we talk about active recovery versus passive recovery because a lot of people when you say to them oh, i take a more active recovery approach to your injury they're sort of looking at you like what, what the fuck does that even mean like what would you mean active recovery so act, like yeah so like active recovery for me is more like you you go out and do sort of an activity that isn't going to make you worse at the end of it it's going to be something that in that in enhances your your the, your output your your performance output later in the line it's, it might be sort of like a, a reducing intensity um so for me in the rehab world like for an active recovery piece it might be turn around and go okay joe what on the 24 hours you got off before your next session go do something with your family you know where it's it's an activity where you're not worrying about your knee or you're worrying about your injury you're working with the limit within your limits but you're going out and doing something you enjoy where you it's not a a chore an exercise a cognitive function you gotta think about it might be that you go play for a kickabout with your kids that could be your active recovery because you're not going to go you're not going like full send in the gym if you if if it was a normal PT session. I'm, I'm just going. I'm just going to go out for a walk. It might be. It might even be. We're going out to around here. We're going like right. We're going to walk into Yorval and go to the coffee shop. It's a five mile walk and a five mile walk back. If we want to do that, that could be your active recovery session, depending on where you are. Um, in the sense of um, passive recovery, that's in my eyes. That's things of like sitting on things like game ready and not really doing anything and getting compression getting the, like the machine to do it for you in the sense of it's like oh uh, I, I can't move i can't be physically active i'll load it so i need to get the swelling down as we know activity gets rid of the swelling but you can't move it that well right you put on put on the game ready the compression helps get rid of the swelling it would obviously be in a different context in the in the mainstream pt world like dean's probably spoke about that when he's been on the podcast before bet- between active and passive for him but in a reco- in a recovery setting, that's how I sort of see active and passive. Yeah, you got the Gucci, the Gucci kit, uh, Mikey. Yeah, pull out the uh, the compression yeah, compression yeah. garments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not with that. Um, now, if I give you an example as well to make it more specific, so I see a few people. Um, they'll have like shoulder injuries, for example. Um, and what they tend to do is they'll go for a massage. They'll feel really good afterwards, um, and then 
a few days later, maybe a week later, it's sore again. They go back to what they were training before and it happens again. I mean, what would be your sort of thoughts on that? What, what, what else could people be doing instead of just basically going and seeing a masseuse every week to cover an issue essentially? So mine would be, I'd be like, look, so you, you, you picked up a niggle, picked up an injury, you've gone down to the massage, it feels better, you've left it a week and you've gone back to your training. I would look at your training program first. I'd be like, what what have I done that's, a la- that's made me pick up that injury? So an injury, it might, it, it like, I thought about this, um, an injury being, it, it, it's an overload of, of a structure within within that system that can't cope anymore, so something else has to take over. Yeah, so then that's where you pick up the injury. The site, it gets completely overloaded, breaks down and goes, I cannot cope anymore. So you got to look at like what exercises you were doing to lead to that, that structure to overload and go, I can't tolerate this anymore. I need to relax. So they've, 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 they've unloaded it. They've got like drastically unloaded it. So they've gone from here and just dropped it down there, gone for a massage. And then they get to a point where, oh, we're starting to recover. And that's when you hit the dangerous point of rehab where you feel good, but the structures actually aren't properly recovered yet. So you go, ah, I'm back here again. There's no progressive overload. So my advice would be, yes, get the massage, makes you feel better. You recover, leave it for a little while. Then when you go back into the gym, go back in a bit conservative about it. So to give it a metric, let's say you did your shoulder while bench pressing 60 kilo, it sets of 15 reps. You stopped, you've had your massage, exactly what you said there, Bill. Go back in. Why don't you just do a couple of sessions where you do like, right, I'll do 30 kilos for this session, see how I get on. Oh, I was all right. Right, I'll go back to 40 on the next session. Oh, I was all right. I'll go back to 50 on the next session. Oh, it's a little bit tender. Right, I'll I'll drop it back down to 40, 45. That's where I should be working. And then you can progressively build yourself back up that way. That's what my advice would be. So build up a baseline, basically. Yeah, you're just testing that water, inching forward slowly. I mean, it sounds like as well, pain has quite a bit to do with it. And I mean, we, I think all of us agree that we, the whole thing of pain is quite complicated. So like when you're dealing with like patients, Mikey, how much does pain have an impact? Because sometimes you'll be trying to get someone to do some active recovery and they'll just be in loads of pain. But it, I mean, especially if I try to make it clear, but like obviously you're in a military setting as well. Um, and there's more of a mental side, especially just some of the more traumatic injuries, which potentially make it a lot more difficult because we know pain, everyone's pain experience is different. Um, and while, if you looked at objective, you think, well, you shouldn't really be in pain there, but they are saying they're in lots of pain. How does that make it a lot more difficult to navigate that recovery process from your um, sort of work in the clinic? So like, you know, as we all know, like Tom's really big on this with pain, pain science, like pain's multifactorial. Like I took a lot from Tom learning about like pain in the sense of going, well, what influences pain? And I remember seeing like a, a little donut chart with like a million little lines coming off it going pretty much saying, fuck knows a lot <laughs> yeah. of things, yeah. you know? <laughs> shit. Yeah. A, lot, a, lot, a lot of shit. Yeah. But then it's like, Before, it used to be, if you felt pain, oh, something's damaged. Yeah. And you find the biopsychosocial where it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like that meme with the conspiracy yeah, theory yeah, in the background. Yeah. 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 The red string going to different, it's yeah. like, fuck, okay. You're sitting there going, well, Oh fuck! Uh, yeah, I've had people ask me that, going, "Well, what's causing the pain?" I'm like, "I'm like, you're asking me." How long like, have you yeah, got? Like, yeah, how long have you got, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm the qualified one, aren't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, there's a lot of things that'll influence your pain." And um, I go, "I go, is there anything go- going on outside of this for your injury that it, you know, might be stressing you out? Work, you know." kids schooling with your kids wife whatever this that and the other and the amount of people that turn and say yeah I fucking hate my job i'm going through a divorce or 
it's a nightmare for my kids. I'm struggling to get them into school or I'm going to go do this. My wife's got to go do that. And I don't have time to do my rehab. But I know I need to rehab. They're getting, they start getting really irate. And I'm like, just bring it back down to a base level. Chill the fuck out. I'm like, right. Or there will be some tissue damage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's just, let's just revisit, let's just visit this in a, in a, in a nice, in a gentle way. And I'm like, what can you do? And when I write your program, what would be enough for you to do? Do you want to do it at home? Do you want to? Are you able to go to the gym? Can you get our time off work? Do you need help in getting the time off work? And then when they bring it back down, they're like, oh, can I do it at home? I'm like, right, have you got kit at home? Because we need to load you. And they're like, oh, well, no, I go, okay, how about you get into the gym? Like, you can come into here like two, three times a week, just get your session done, you can go home, or you can do it during work hours, just come in. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll do that then. Because we have set times, but I'll make leeway for people that can't get in. I'm like, right, let's just get you in. And then I'll give them the exercises and then they'll like, they'll come in and do their exercise and because the, the, they feel a lot better about it. Like the pain just drops. They go, oh, I feel really good. I feel great. I'm like, there we go. We, we just pay attention. You get all that on the subjective. You pay attention to their like lifestyle and what their life's like and maybe it's helped them make a few tweaks of that on the, along the way. The amount of nutritional advice or... Just lifestyle advice I've given on top of rehab advice has been unreal just to turn around and go, oh, right, uh, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah. Just don't drink coffee at like six o'clock at night. Tr- chill for a bit, then you might feel a bit yeah. better. I'm like, oh, that made, that made, made a lo- load of difference. I'm sleeping better and that type of thing. I can't tell you how familiar that conversation sounds to me, uh, especially when I talk about pain with clients, is usually we end up looking at other factors outside of, well, anything physical, and usually the red flags start appearing. So yeah, sleep, kids, problems with, uh, you know, the partners, etc. Um, so yeah, it's that big old uh, spider web, isn't it? Yeah, all, so, all different multi factors. Yeah, so I, I do look at that. Then like, especially when it comes to goal setting. So a lot of people I know who like when they set goals, I'm like, I don't really. The secondary for me is looking at military goals because let's be honest. No one gives a flying fuck about setting a military goal unless they're like young, young and want to go like, yeah, we'll smash P company, commander course, SF or whatever. If you go, you got any career course going on, like, yeah, yeah, I'll just get around to that whenever. But nine times out of ten, when just I want to survive, <laughs> yeah, when, when I speak to them, I go, what about, is your injury in, 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 interact, uh, affecting your interaction with your children? Like, young, especially if you've got young children, they go, yeah, and it's really, they go, yeah, it's really pissing me off and getting me down. I go, right, that's the goal then. I want to get you back playing football with your kids. And they look at me like that and yeah. I'm like, that, that's the aim. That's that's my, I found a hook and a buy in there straight away. I'm like, I've got, I'm getting bought, then mm. bought in here. An emotional centred goal, I think uh, Gary Mendoza has called it. No, I like that. That's actually a really good, a really good thing. I think people, if people like listening should really take that away is to give yourself a, like an emotional goal almost because as we spoke about before, people's adherence to these physio programs can sometimes be a little bit fucking hit and miss. But if you can give yourself something that you actually care about that you want to go and do again to get through that injury, you're more likely, I suppose, to adhere to it and actually put the time and effort in. Because to get back from an injury, it's not easy, is it? Like, you know, for some people, it's a long, like you said, Mikey, 12 months just to get to a baseline. That could be fucking emotionally draining. And that can really mess people up having to go through all that, I can imagine. So giving yourself some sort of buy-in, a big one, um, I think can help, yeah. Yeah, I've had it with like patients who've had a bad rehab experience that have come to me and they've gone, well, this ain't going to work. I'm like, all right. Why is it not going to work? Why Why do you not like the PCRF? Or like, why do you think it's going to go wrong? And they'll explain to me and I go, right, I'll stop you there. I'm like, okay. 
I promise you now, I will not do that to you. I will give you everything I can. All I want from you is that you give me everything back and as much feedback as you can. If you give me loads of detail, as uh, Dean put that post out about coaches, you are not a burden to your coach. It's exactly the same as me. You are not. You are not a burden to me. My, I've gone into this profession to help you. So come at me with questions. Come see me and ask me questions and I'll give you answers. I'll, I'll reassure you. Funny enough, it actually makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. I know they think that they're putting a burden on us, but actually the thing is when, when you do have a clientele or patients, in your case, Mikey, where like um, that they feel like they're burdening you, that means you've got them figure out the jigsaw by yourself. When actually it helps when they help the puzzle with you and they do feed you back, well, exactly that, feedback. Yeah. It makes things a lot easier for programming, understanding someone's, um, th- their current resources with how they're dealing with stress, life in general. I've had patients on a review and I've gone, so how's your program going? They go, yeah, fine. I'm like, any, anything, any, <laughs> on a set of symptoms? <laughs> Care to elaborate? And they go, they go, no. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, no issues to report. A- anything at all going well? Yeah, it's all right. Exercise is fine. You're enjoying them? Yeah. Give me something, you know, like at least I <laughs> Yeah, please. Fuck me, yeah. <laughs> I uh I used to have a client like that, but like um an actual like one to one face to face client and um like really, 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 really poor for small talk and like we would do like a set of squats that would finish, we'd be like, okay, look, we'll have a three minute rest, you know, in the meantime, like how's uh, how's work going? Yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you do anything this weekend? No, <laughs> no. Like, fuck me. We've got so many more exercises, so many more rest periods. Like I'm running out of small talk. Here. I'm surprised you didn't like, tell it to giant AMRAP at that point, mate. You said the whole workout. Just lie to me. A... At least lie to me. Fuck the rest off. AMRAP it. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell him how my weekend's going instead. Yeah. yeah. You like cheese? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you, oh, God. You, you do get, you do oh, get something like that. At least we clarified that. Yeah, you do people like that and you get like a half an hour slot with them and I find like I want to give them the full time and I look and I go so anything I'm like looking at my notes I've got one line in there going no issues to report all going well and it's been five minutes I'm like so I'll, I'll book you in for a review then yeah yeah so uh, see 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 the big game the other day <laughs> oh the big that classic <laughs> the big game yeah it's like the like <laughs> what time are you on till? <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, I've developed some good relationships with a couple of clients where we've actually ended up going the other way, where we've ended up like chatting shit so much. I'm like, oh shit, I need to get my notes done. And I've got another patient to see. Because like, but like it's, uh, one lad I had, he came, um, came in and it was like, a very, very sports specific injury. He does uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and he was getting knee pain doing a certain submission. I was like, I went, this is very specific because he can do all of a gym work, squatting, lunging, jumping up and down, change of direction, completely fine. It was basically because he was putting his leg, um, his uh, hip externally rotated, um, externally rotated, and uh, so basically that. Oh, okay. And uh, I was like, hip externally rotated, and I was like, okay. It's causing your knee pain. He went, yeah, so he's basically trying to set up a, set up a choke, and I went, Right, okay, let's have a look. I went, how are you t- being taught to do it? And you, you told me how he's doing, keeping his body straight on. And he was really relying upon the inter- like the internal, uh, the external rotation of the hip to bring his shin across. And I was like, okay. So I tested his r- range of motion. I pushed his leg like to end range. I went, does that hurt? And he went, yeah. I went, right, okay, let's try try this. 
because obviously I did grapple as well. I went, change your angle of your body, now turn it in and put it on. So so I've got a patient on my plinth with me in a triangle choke <laughs> sitting there. Going, Is that better? And he's like, he's like, actually, yeah. And I'm like, right, do that from now on. And he's like, fucking hell. And he's like, he left and he went back to his gym and his training. He went, I've, I've had no knee pain since, since I started doing that. I went, yeah, because you're using your range of motion you've got to be able to do the submission and just making adjustments to it. So like everyone, physio so like, is like, what the fuck are you doing? I think it was, Things you don't see in uh, the clinic every day. <laughs> patient triangle choke in a fucking clinician. Yeah, you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> Love that. Love that. I mean, you know, cost of living, like, uh, <laughs> you, you know, anesthesia is expensive nowadays. You got, <laughs> we got to find more natural means to put people under. Yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's just like little. Th- then you know, we had a good rapport, and then I saw him because I put a post up about it, um, like. I got to grapple with him at my in the club I train at and um, got to roll with him and he had no knee pain. It was really good to see him back on the mat, confident, rolling around and he, he got he got his promotion to blue belt and stuff like that. So he managed to keep rolling because I didn't tell him, no, he doesn't, he, he can keep going, he doesn't have to stop. And so he managed to keep um, his physical activity up and it was just really good to be part, be part of his like, his end stage journey after he's left when I saw him again. So once again, having those kind of like um, emotion, deep rooted emotional goals where it's not just a simple case of we're just trying to get you pain free, whatever that means. It's a simple case of, well, we're getting you to do the things you love, mm. the things you actually enjoy. And I think there's something very, so when we talk about behavior change, uh, we spoke on a podcast before about how like motivation is a, it's not a never ending resource. Yeah. We only have so much mo- motivation for certain things. Um, so when you do have something that's like deeply rooted in something emotional, you know, you're, well, you suddenly, you have the resources to do that. Cause it's something like you said, like being able to play with your kids, things like that. Now, if there was something wrong with me, I mean, there's plenty wrong with me, but let's say there was something physically wrong with me, you know, then, um, and, uh, it was, it was preventing me from wanting to play with my kids. Then that would be the thing that would get me going to rehab. Can we sort of mm. clarify when you say that in case someone edits that snippet of, I want to play with my kids. <laughs> you know. Legos. Legos. Yeah. <laughs> Legos. <laughs> yeah. Too much to, spend too much time on the little. Well, you no, it's not. I said my kids, not, not <laughs> others' kids. You know, I just want to say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume because I said my kids, you know, people don't understand what I'm saying. If I said, you know, playing with someone else's kids, it might be a whole different story. Yeah. I'm just making this even worse. Yeah. There's plenty of sound bites that can be taken out of this now. You've seen Jeffrey yeah, Dahl. Get a job at the BBC, Bill. <laughs> job at the BBC. <laughs> I haven't, but um, but I. Uh, spoiler alert! I know how it ends. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I googled it all about Mr. Dharma. Actually, funny enough, uh, you know, it does show that resistance training or weight training in particular can be deadly. <laughs> yeah. One way or another. Yeah, when you smash them around yeah. the head with a plate or the dumbbell. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a dumb. So there you go. Uh, study evidence shows that dumbbells can be lethal. <laughs> dumbbells can anecdotally. Be they can be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying that, since I uh, since I'm no longer in a managerial role for the gym I work at, uh, I could probably sort of say this, but um, we get like a watch list for people to watch out for in the whole company. And one of the people that was put on our watch list was someone attacked someone else with a 38 kilo dumbbell. Yeah, that blows my mind. Now that is a proper dumbbell. That is a, moment. That is a, but if anything, it's a huge I was dumbbell. More impressed because that's a 38 kilo yeah, dumbbell. It's not easy. So to pick that up to try and do something over the head with it, you've got to move a purpose with that. And that must well. be really slow moving as well. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it was like a, a clean and jerk. They tried to dump it on someone. I've let always like the most slowest pickup and hammer ever. But yeah, uh, I don't know how we got to this conversation. Something about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a snippet. <laughs> Jeffrey uh, Dahmer. Every time I listen to the podcast, I do, I do see yeah. a rabbit hole appear, then Tom fucking swan yeah. dives into it. <laughs> it just goes, yeah. Tom descends yeah. into it. Well, I have been meaning to watch it, nonce chaos. even though I know how it ends. Then you got Bill just yeah, fucking, fucking yeah, nonce fuck, chaos. fuck's sake and trying to pull you back out. <laughs> well, yeah, pull, pull you back out the rabbit yeah. hole, yeah. Oh no! It's all right, Tom. It's okay, mate. Yeah. Pull me back out. All right, let's get let's pull you back out. Let's pull everyone back into injury. So we'll uh, we'll talk about some bit of advice now, Mikey. So we'll we'll look at some best and worst things. What would you say is we'll start on? There should be a Dharma Wad <laughs> hero workout. There you go, Mikey. The rabbit hole has not <laughs> been dumbbells. I didn't put about this. <laughs> we're back in the rabbit <laughs> hole again. We're back. There we're should back be in. a Dharma Wad. There you go. The Dharma. <laughs> The Dharma. No. Skull crushers. It could be skull oh crushers. There you go. A thousand skull crushers. Trip skull crushers. <laughs> there you go. A 38 kilo skull crusher. There you go. Boom. The Dharma. Everyone's going to be doing it. 2023. You heard it here first. I thought we could just end the podcast at that point. Fucking hell. Bill's dead. I'm going <laughs> to mute myself. Go on, Bill. Yeah, Tom's going to... Tom, no, Tom, no, Tom, no, 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 I'm going to try, right, take two of pulling Tom out of the rabbit hole and pulling everyone back into what this episode's supposed to be about, injuries. So, Mikey, we'll start with, what would you say, just like, obviously it's quite hard to generalise, but what would you say is the best thing people could do when it comes to an injury? So, let's say they've just got injured, what is the best thing they can do to kickstart that process to recovery? Mm, good one. Um, if it's not, if it's not too serious, as in, <laughs> yeah, pack advice. Um, well, if if you're in a bit of pain and, you, and it's not too serious, let's say it's a bit of a strain, like a muscle strain, and you look at it, there's no bruising, massive amounts of swelling, you know, it's, it's quite benign. Um, yes, ice or heat if you want um, analgesic. Um, ice is more of the analgesic. Um, if you've got more of a, a tendon, tendon slash ligament issue, I would, I would suggest heat because you don't want to restrict blood flow. Uh, and then, Sort of dial your training back. Use that pain scoring that like we talked about earlier. See where you're sitting and maybe do some sort of low-level activity for like a 24 hours maybe to see how you get on. And if 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 things aren't still, don't feel like they're starting to make a good set of progress, then that's when going, get seen by the physio, going through your correct channels if you're in the military or if you're, if you're a civvy and you don't have access to that. You know, approach approach a quality like a super qualified person who can sort of give you advice and maybe a little bit of an assessment on that injured area to help you sort of guide a program would be my for like li- like little niggles you can put the pull. Let let's say you've you know you've overdone it on some sprints on the treadmill and your hamstring like tweaks a little bit. You go all right, I'll give it a bit of a rest. I'll twenty four hours away from that, give it a bit of heat or rise, depending on what you what you prefer. Check for like bruising or swelling, etc. And then after that, after, if it's not progressively getting better after like 24 hours, go in and get, get seen just just to make sure things are okay, then go from there. I mean, what you? I know you're a bit of out of pocket civvy-wise, but even just paying to see if like a physio or, a per, like, or someone like, like myself or whatever, just go, can you have a quick look? What would you say is the worst thing someone could do? Um, go off, yeah, I'd be all right then back in the next day for maximal effort sprints again on that treadmill to make sure the <laughs> hamstring fully go, the other two hamstrings fully go. Um, well, yeah. it depends. If you're putting in a claim, then go back in and 
do do that max chat treadmill. Um, but um, it would be like ignoring it, going, oh, it'll just it'll just recover. I'll crack on. I'll be fine. Um, it that only works for so long before it'll come back and literally haunt you. Like, you know, I've I had it a few months ago where every single injury I've ever had flared up at once. And I was like, why am I hurting so much? And then I went, Joe, what? I'm gonna just have a, a day or two off. Slept well, ate well, and but then I was like, oh, all right, I'm actually feeling all right now. I'll go back in and see how I'll get on. And then I just built my training back up, and I was like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. I don't need to see anyone. I, I, I just love how people ignore their bodies. Like People like they get a niggle, and they don't realise that's like the body's way of saying, there's something not right here. You should probably address this situation. But people just think, oh, the niggle will be all right. Yeah. It'll be fine. I'll just fucking grizz it out. That army mentality of I'll grizz it out. And it's like, next thing you know, you fucking, you're fucking you in an absolute horrendous state um, and you're at the physios for the next 12 months. So I, I, I don't know why people don't listen to their body sometimes and all. Pain's still an alarm system. Yeah, yeah of course it is, yes. Yeah, I remember once I was, um, when I was in, I was in Chatham on my, what was I on? I was on my class one course. This was time ago, 2012. Um and I'd, I'd finished, like, I'd just got into strength and conditioning, um, you know, I, I put to bed, like, doing MMA and stuff like that. And then uh, I um, I remember doing, like, some heavy, I think it was heavy deadlifts. And I went to, like, I was like, oh, feel, feeling it, like, a bit of CNS fatigue, a bit of shakiness and all that type of stuff. Went on parade the next morning for PT. One of the lads was like, Mikey, what the fuck is wrong with the back of your legs? I was like, what? He's like, you're not seeing the back of your legs? I went, no. I looked at the back of my legs. I had two black and blue bruises on both legs going from halfway up the calf to halfway up my um, hamstrings, like the back of my legs. And I was like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> oh I, went, I, feel, I feel perfectly fine here, but why are they black and blue? Did fit. Was you deadlifting back to front? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I was like... The Seedman special. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And then uh, I left it and the bruising went and it was fine. And uh, years later, I spoke to like, some people about it. And after education on it now, I'm like... Oh, I probably might have probably got like a really severe grade one tear on both hands, like both legs, <laughs> without realizing it's cracked on. Fucking hell! So it was, yeah, that was just really bizarre. I was like, superhuman. Okay. Ibuprofen and tubi grips. Yeah, and that was yeah, the day. Yeah. yeah. What was it like going through? If we get a bit more personal on you, Mikey, because I know you went through the commando course when you were studying the engineers before you uh, rebadged. Um, h- how was that in terms of like niggles and injuries and stuff? Because that's a very intensive course physically. Um, of people that aren't aware, it's a it's a very full on. So how how did you find that? Uh, so uh, I did, I've done the course twice all the way through. So first time round, I picked up a fuck ton of injuries like anterior knee pain, ITB, band syndrome. Um, you name it, probably's had it. Shoulder pain. Um, I was getting like cervical neck pain, <laughs> break up like break up plexus, like nerve pain shooting across the top of my like trap. So it was like probably like C C four C five like pain. And then um, yeah, I, I was nineteen. I picked up a fuck ton of injuries. I survived all the way till final exercise, and I managed to. I did the the yomp into exercise twelve miles. Um, and then I, just, I came off, I couldn't take anymore. And there was like, I was a week and a half away from getting my green lid. So I was like, oh, I came away from that. And I was I was in terrible, terrible shit state. I didn't train right for it whatsoever. So I left, um, took the advice of the of the two I see at the time. He said, go on to her, get promoted and come back. Did exactly that. Um, so I was at 3-3 at the time um, with 4-9, which then re-rolled to 81. And then they went, you're going back? I went, yeah, I'll go back. But then I, I just started dabbling in CrossFit then. 
And I was like, oh, do what? I'll do non-impact, no green PT. I won't do any sort of military green PT. I'll let the squadron deal with that. And now what I'll do is I'll just focus on getting fucking, I'll get as strong as I can and I'll work on base level fitness. And I did that. Then when I went back a second time, I didn't pick up any injuries. The only injury I picked up was on final exercise. I got gangrene, I got gangrene in my feet. Oh, Jesus and, uh, Christ. Oh fucking hell. That's pretty cool. delightful. Well, at least you got at least all, all the pretty colours. Yeah. yeah, all the shades of puss. <laughs> oh, oh fucking hell! Yeah, lovely. Yeah, that's that's the last one. Yeah, not gonna have my oats in the morning well, now. <laughs> spe- speaking of uh, speaking of feet, Tom, what happened to talk, talk us through yours, Tom? Because uh, people weren't aware there was a time many moons ago where you were on the obstacle course in Catrick and your fucking foot yeah. blew up into what I can only describe as the Elephant Man. But what happened there? I've got some good photos you could post with that as well. Uh, do you know what it was? It was so funny. Like, well, it wasn't funny. It was one of the most <laughs> yeah, horrendous like, times of my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, it was literally like the very first wall on the obstacle course, uh, Carrick. So what I, think it's like, I don't think it's the six foot. I think it's like the four footer. I, I've been telling people it's the six foot because an extra two foot counts. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, it looks um, like six foot. No, I just simply it? fell straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was tiptoeing. Uh, but yeah, I just simply landed on an inverted ankle. And um, that with like, you know, webbing, helmet, etc. just, yeah, it was pretty horrendous. Um, I pretty much, it was a severe sprain, but I had like a whole series of issues trying to get that diagnosed. Uh, I went to the hospital and, um, you know, like uh, oh, <laughs> the, the the nurse who was doing, the, the technician that was doing my x-ray said, oh, yeah, this looks like it's a sprain, nothing else. And I looked, I was like, well, doesn't that look like a hairline fracture? And I shit you not, she reached into her pockets, pulled out her glasses, put them on, and went, oh, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> yeah, so I had like a hairline fracture as well. Wow. Um, but like a part of my metatarsal came off. Yeah, exactly. Part of my metal tarsal came off. And the thing is, oh, I, so I didn't finish it. But when I actually fell and did my ankle in, because of the adrenaline, I actually carried on with the obstacle course without realising what had happened. But a part of my metatarsal had shredded loose and it added like fragmentation. So the whole time as I was doing the obstacle course, it was rolling around in my foot, shredding everything. Uh, but yeah, you, you, by the time you guys listen to this, you'll see the pictures yeah, I'll post on it, social yeah. media. It's pretty horrendous. Oh my God. But Joe, funny enough, and this repeats um, kind of what Mikey just said about how not to rehab in regards to like, you know, doing too much too soon. Um, I And this is the thing from a unit level. I was being pressured to, look, we need to get you back to Carrick ASAP. So, you know, just try and like, get back into things as quick as possible. Come on, we need to book you back onto it. We need to book you back onto it. So I had that pressure. So I ended up cutting my cast off myself <coughs> with a, a bread knife and a pizza cutter. I still remember you, that for some reason. You did reason. what? You so cut, yeah, your, cut my cast off. You cut your cast off with a fucking, with a bread knife? With a, with a pizza cutter and a bread knife. Yeah, I remember it was one I got free with uh, Chicago Town. God So almighty. I still remember, I still got it somewhere. Where was the big <laughs> like an industrial buzzsaw. Yeah, it's massive. But like, um, yeah, I ended up cutting that off and tried to go straight into a run and, uh, yeah, went straight back over onto it. Uh, same thing. Then I came back uh, a couple of years later, what, three, f- two, three years later. And, uh, yeah, and that's when uh, Mikey had his first experience with pain. Me, me being the pain. I'm a pain. Joe, <laughs> you know I, me- I remember that. I remember that first, I remember that first um, like lecture I had with you. Like, I think it was on... 
it was i think it was on like nutrition <laughs> and then uh, and uh, I, I, I fired who's this cunt like because <laughs> yeah. I, I saw everyone's face when i walked in because i was like what I, I, first thing i asked when i get in there with reserves i went what professions have we got in here and i think that that group we had had loads of personal trainers a couple of ex like pro footballers doctors paramedics and i just went right this presentation is a load of shit it's out of date and we're fired from it and i went what do you want to talk about and i think tom was like steroids <laughs> I was like, no, fucking hell, no that wasn't that was that wasn't me but that person uh that did oh my god uh the, the person that did speak about that was an absolute lunatic he actually got kicked he actually got kicked out of the uh, steroids the course oh, did he? he was an absolute lunatic he, he, he made a request to go down to the obstacle course at 3am. Absolute lunatic. Genuine as well. I'm not taking a piss. Natural lunatic. Fucking like hell. a genuine one. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I was I was, I was, was very gobby on that course. And uh, yeah, I've, I've wound my neck in since. I was forced to. <laughs> you stood out and it was like, oh yeah. And I think we just, Not always the good thing though. We just developed like a little relationship from there. Yeah, that's what was weird because obviously, like uh, all my relationship with PTIs uh, had always been just me getting thrashed around left, right, and centre, you know. But then there's me actually speaking in professional terms to, uh, to, 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 sorry, staff page at the time. So I couldn't call you Mikey back then, but I knew, <laughs> I knew, we knew, we we knew, we knew, we knew Mikey. We knew. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that is one thing that I have. Um, kind of heard from like uh the re- in regards to like the regular staff at train establishments is that it is nice to have like um reserve intakes because even though we are a bunch of mongs at the same time we've got that life experience so it's like different from like just having like a bunch of 18 year olds who have nothing to talk about compared to having i mean on, on my intake we had a fucking actor who's appeared on stage shows it was really random we also had uh the guy that we had a guy with us who created the fx um you know the effect, the effect in the Avengers film where Thanos turns everyone into like a puff of yeah, triangles dust, dust when they shit, just yeah. like disappear the click. The guy that invented that, they, 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 they disappear into like little smoky triangles. Oh, if it's a triangle. The guy that like created that effect <laughs> was actually on my intake. Nice. No, not trifle. Trifle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dessert. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I really enjoyed my time. And I, and I do miss it, but at the same time, I've got two kids now and yeah. Mikey, what is there anything outrageous that Tom did that no one else knows? I thought it would be good to, um, um, you know, lift up the curtain. Tom's look at Tom's uh, face. I don't know if you'd remember this. This is probably the first. It's probably not the first time it's happened on one of your intakes. But there was someone that passed out on the very last tab because someone had told them that wearing thermals <laughs> increased blood flow. <laughs> was that on? I don't know if you remember that, but someone got pulled off. Of course, yes. Yeah, and it was on the very last tab. Because I remember Kazavakin someone it's on, the, on that. I don't know if that was Kazavakin someone. Yeah, that was my fault. I said it as a joke and didn't know <gasps> they was going to take it seriously. Oh mate, you asshole! You said it as a joke. So I remember. I remember. <laughs> one time, it was it was hot, and I was working within the threshold, like point one. I was like, I'm going to get you through it. And it might have been, it might have been this tab, and uh, I went to the section commanders. I was like. I'm here to facilitate a lesson. If anyone goes down, then it, it's like you're going to have to deal with it. And we're tabbing off. And then all I heard was man down from the back. And I went, everyone get in the shade. <laughs> and they were trying to prop, prop this recruit up in the blazing sun to give him water. So I just ran on and went, get out of the way. 
I grabbed him by his webbing handles and dragged him across the concrete with him half half unconscious into the shade, sat him upright, and I, he came around and I gave him some water to drink. And then we had to shove him in the back of the wagon and get him tucked back, and then we all walked back in. I think, yeah, I was like, fuck's sake. That was you. Yeah, I think that might have been my fault. Fuck's sake, <laughs> yeah, Tom. I said it as a joke. You are. And uh, you are he took it seriously. So this guy wore thermals on like a... And it was hot. That was fucking hot. Um, yeah, so, you know, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Funny, though. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> fuck's sake. Joe, you know what? Every now and again, one of my mates that was on my course with me, he'll message me that and say, oh, do you remember when you nearly killed that guy? And I was like, yeah, but it was only a joke. It weren't, you weren't supposed to take it seriously. <laughs> fucking hell, Tom. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no you got to laugh. Is there anything else, Mikey? Any other chaos that Tom caused? Well, uh, Tom only he, caused chaos at lectures when you would like, when I put the stuff up and you would just see, you'd be like, yeah, that's out of date. And I'm like, Tom, I fucking know. And we're trying to get it updated. <laughs> and he was, and he was, I remember we peanuts being a source of protein. And his little face, you can see, was like general screwed up. Like he was yeah. Oh, I, was like, shit, yeah. I was like, yeah, I know it's <laughs> a source of protein, it's a source of fat because the highest macro content is fat. And Tom's like, yeah, fucking thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. do, do, do you know what? I won't. I won't mention uh, one of one of your colleagues who was also doing a separate lecture away from you. Uh, I won't mention names, obviously. I know who it reasons, is, and but um, yeah, you know who it is because I've spoken yeah, to you. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck was but it? Every time he, every time he said something questionable, literally, you'd see like a platoon of faces just turn to look at me <laughs> as if I was going to say something. You could see me simmering in my chair, just boiling with like the misinformation. Is it? It was. Was that the same guy? said uh, eat the Domino's pizza before you go on a tab oh, yeah remember this story yeah. uh, what else was there oh uh, paras are famous for carrying for some reason specifically Mars bars in their webbing <laughs> uh, you know like for, for quick release energy and he was just like going on and on and on and uh, yeah in the end I just sat there smouldering and everyone just kept every time someone would come out of his mouth people would just uh, yeah a whole fucking auditorium of faces would just turn to look at me like are you going to say something? It's like, nah, do you know what? I'd rather not got my head kicked in, to be honest with you. I remember I this pod- <laughs> podcast because I remember listening to a snippet of it and I think it was Bill that mm. turned and said, uh, it wasn't Mikey Page, was it? And I was like, you fucking prick. And yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Said, uh, no, it wasn't Mikey. Yeah, yeah. No, I jumped your defence. Yeah. yeah, you did. I jumped your defence, it weren't you. You did. You did. I was like, I'm going to knock this No, I've got, to, I've got to say... Uh, <laughs> I've got to say, Mikey, it was the first uh, positive experience I had with PTIs. And, um, but one thing I am sad to say is like I still keep in contact with people. Obviously, we have the podcast where we talk about um, people's experience with fitness in the army. Uh, I train people that are going into the army as well. And as of very recently, it's sad to know that there is still a lot of misinformation that's going out there in regards to fitness and the army. Uh, I've just had one client... Uh, Who's, who pretty much showed me screenshots of, she went to like some lecture thing, soldiers spoke about fitness and basically one of the PTIs was explaining what she should be doing in preparation for joining the army and it was just a whole load of shit, like 2km day sack runs for someone that hasn't even gone into selection yet. It's like, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. My biggest advice would be for anyone that's like, listen, that listens to this, if you've got like a, people that listen who've got to join up, it would be don't do any of that specific training as in going out running with boots running with weight on yeah if you want to experience it and you're in your you're a bit of an avid you know ball crossfitter or whatever you might have done a workout with a weighted vest on that's fine do one of them but like if you're going to train 
base level fitness get your base level fitness really good really high so you increase the, the width of that base that triangle so your potential is all the way up here the better the base the the better your specificity is going to be and and don't worry about it the the, the job of people like myself or your section commanders is to take you from from civvy teach how to wear kit properly all the way to the point where you can run in kit dive around in kit safely and it, it, it's the norm and then you'll just build up that experience as you go through the military. It, it don't so for now, it's just building the foundation. Get move well, move well. If they want to learn anything, because the army's got the foundational, um, the seven foundational movement patterns. Move well with them, with load, and then that's going to put you in good stead for when you turn up to basic training. And it makes it would make my life as a PTI a lot easier when you've got a high degree of movement competency. Tom. Yeah, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> yeah Tom over and out got it yeah perfect student perfect student <laughs> obviously those those days are behind you now aren't they Marky those uh those days have been a, a you know just a lowly PTI teacher people like Tom you're now a an ERI extraordinaire physio whatever you want to call whatever buzzword you want to add on so you've got something called hybrid dynamics haven't you which is your yes. civilian side of things but about rehab do you want to talk about that kind of how, how does that work and what does that sort of involve so I like I pondered with this for like a little while. At first, I started off with like doing, you know, the generic thing of, you know, I want to help people get fitter and better. So I did like generic SNC programs uh, or PT programs, and then it it didn't do particularly well because there was a lot out there, which there's a lot of really good free stuff. So it's like, why would you pay? And then I was like sitting. I remember having a conversation with the physio, physios because I was like looking at rebranding my um, obviously Instagram and stuff like that and business. So I was like, "Well, I'm like the ERIs aren't known on Civvy Street." And I'm like, "What?" I, I was speaking to one of the physios. I'm, "What's between a level three PT, seventeen year old PT in pure gym, for example, not slate in pure gym whatsoever, you know?" Um, and like a physio, where's where that, where's that like graduated return? Who sits in that gray area? And they went, we don't really have it. And I'm like, but we have it in the army, which in the military, which is ERIs, which don't exist on Civvy Street. And I was like, Joe, you know what? I'm going to take the whole ERI idea and put it on Civvy Street and use it and see how it goes. And um, I've had a good degree of success. Um, in the sense of people have come to me, you know, through word of mouth. Um, my my platform's quite a a micro influencer, if you call it that way. Um, you know, a good degree of success in the sense of re rehabilitating some people back to their chosen sports. So an example, uh, one, one girl I had on there, she had knee surgery um, and I took her six months and I got her within, I got her 95% back to where she should be. Saying 95%, she was seven, when she went back to CrossFit, she was 7.5 kilos off her lifetime PB snatch when she went back from having six months with me on rehab. Um, so going from having knee surgery to being on crutches to six months later, being seven and a half kilos off her personal best on uh, on a snatch. So I, for me, and I was like, oh, this might actually work. So I went down that whole idea of, um, do you know what the idea is going to be now? I'm, I'm going to deliver that that package, that rehab package to PTs, but I don't want to hold on to people. So my idea now is I want to network with as many PTs, physios as possible. So when they when their clients pick up injuries and they can't train anymore, they'll come to me. I'll rehab them under the onus that they're going to go back to that PT for training. So it keeps the it keeps the the gym flowing, keeps their client base there. So my I, I'm not interested unless I got I've got one 
client who's got a chronic condition which will never go away which i'm managing with her which will see me post up about her uh, ellis Danner syndrome um so that's like a whole idea about it it's basically bringing ER, eri the eri thought process and capability to the to the civvy mainstream yeah yeah it's quite a, quite a unique little idea there, it does isn't sound it? rewarding yeah it does sound rewarding for sure yeah where can people find that mikey Where, where's the best way to contact that oh to find me um best way to find me is um if you go on instagram and type in hybrid dynamics um my page will pop up there uh i've got a facebook page as well uh which is hybrid dynamics which you can find me on there as well and i and my all my coaching as in rehab programs is delivered online through uh fitter training um so i deliver it all through there uh all, all the programs are there and like they've got daily contact with me when they've got it and I've got, I'm, I'm developing some new programs as well. So I'm currently developing a return to running program, which is a one-off program you can buy. Um, yeah, I'm revamping my 2K row program and air assault bike program as well uh, for like conditioning pieces uh, to, for people to purchase as well. Could have done with the running one a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always a specific guidelines to say, don't cut your cast off of a Chicago town pizza cutter. But, yeah, yeah make sure you add that, much, Mikey. Mate, add that yeah. the small print. Yeah, add that the small print. <laughs> There's a whole infographic on it. <laughs> yeah, Tom said, Tom's tip of the day. Do not use a pizza cutter when taking Yeah, <laughs> There you go, that could be my new post. <laughs> God, yeah. I, wish I, had that. I wish I had video footage of that. Yeah, I've got pictures, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think you'd have to be quite steady with a camera trying to use a pizza Go on out with a pizza cutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we can. Uh, I think we can leave it there, guys. Um, Marky, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a uh, good fun, uh, especially the last bit there, diving into Tom's uh, the chaos he caused you all those years ago. Uh, but now it's been interesting. Hopefully, people get some sort of take something away from that in terms of the injury, the injury pieces there. Um, you know, if you if in if in doubt, go and speak to the people like Mikey because there's a reason people do these qualifications get you know clued up on it so they can help people like you with injuries don't just think oh it'll go away um or you know you could just sort of grizz it out uh, if you're from a military background go and speak to someone because you know at least you've got peace of mind then if it's nothing sinister or nothing serious great you know but if it is then at least you've got someone who knows what they're doing in your corner helping you out um so yeah thanks for jumping on and uh, we will see you very soon and uh i am sorry for the heckling during your lessons <laughs> so it was all in the spirit of fun i got to come on things like this and catch up with you all so yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah, hopefully awesome. get to do another one again another one again sometime soon yeah, absolutely pleasure yeah. as always guys and remember guys uh dharma 2023 oh fuck off hero wad oh, jesus christ right <laughs> goodbye well, it's just weird isn't it it's oh, like, i know here it's called hero wad but you know hero subjective you know you don't ever get wads for like i don't know u-boat captains well, anti-hero couldn't it anti-hero wad Oh, oh my you god. Know, or T Rex. <laughs> Marky added to the chaos. Got my nose downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh dear. Good night. As always, thanks for listening. And as this was a guest special, we are fully aware you could be a new listener. So if that is the case, stick around. We've got a vast back catalogue that you can get stuck into, covering things like recovery methods, supplements, diets, uh, myths more guest specials we've, we've got a lot going on basically so stick around dive into it and subscribe slash follow on your podcast app whether that's apple podcast spotify or one of the more indie apps out there hit that button that allows you to get notified every single time we release a brand new episode so we will see you next week same time same place for a brand new episode see you soon